turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD. In an uncertain economy, if you're looking for wealth management solutions and financial advice, go to kirkelliottphd.com and make an appointment today. Coming up, I'll examine the state of radical Islam from the Khomeini revolution to now. Debbie and I, we're going to discuss the relationship between cartels and Islamic terrorism, the vulnerability of our open border, the debate about the morality of killing civilians, and the latest news about the new film, Police State. Hey, if you're watching on Rumble or listening on Apple, Google, or Spotify, please subscribe to my channel. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Show. America needs this voice. The times are crazy in a time of confusion, division, and lies. We need a brave voice of reason, understanding, and truth. This is the Dinesh D'Souza Podcast. Guys, a quick reminder before I get started that we are just really 10 days away from Police State opening in theaters. And it's going to be in theaters just two days, the 23rd of October, Monday, and Wednesday, the 25th. And then the virtual premiere Friday, October 27th. So it's time to make plans. It's time to mark your calendar. It's not too early. And this is especially the case if you're not just going by yourself or going with your spouse, but you're going in a group. It's really fun to see these movies with other people. So because I promise you, you're going to be really fired up. You're going to be really stirred up. You're going to want to share your thoughts and ideas. So seeing the film in a group in the theater, I think preferably, but if not, just as you know, good at home is going to be great. Uh, the website to get tickets for the theater and also for the virtual premiere is policestatefilm.net, policestatefilm.net. All right. Let me talk about um, anti-colonialism and um, and the way in which that anti-colonial idea, which has been percolating now in U.S. intellectual thought since the 1960s, it's very popular idea on the left that somehow uh, Western civilization is a colonial project. Uh, and by extension, Israel is a colonial project. And therefore, fighting against Israel... Uh, on the part of the Palestinians or fighting against the West is a good thing. And this is what third world people and black and brown people need to do. And, you know, Barack Obama senior, Obama's dad was thoroughly imbued, thoroughly saturated, marinated in this philosophy of anti-colonialism and as a result, transmitted it to Barack Obama. The anti-colonial movement has intellectuals, people like Frantz Fanon, born, I believe, in Martinique, 
but eventually a kind of great champion of the Algerian anti-colonial war against the French and a, a great also kind of apostle of violence. Uh, Fanon actually said that violence was a cleansing force that was used by oppressed people to sort of wash away their oppression. And, um, and as I mentioned, Obama, uh, when you read his book, um, Dreams from My Father, it's a deeply anti-colonial book. That was the book that I read that convinced me that, wow, you know, this guy's not a civil rights guy in the Martin Luther King mold. His uh, philosophy, it's not that he was born outside of America, but his ideas were. He is, uh, he has imported this anti-colonial philosophy from Asia, from Africa, from South America, kind of via his own father. And, uh, sure enough, uh, when the, um, when the Hamas attacks were first launched against Israel, Obama was dead silent. In fact, he was silent for days afterward. All that he did was post something about, um, a woman in Iran who supposedly was an advocate for women and girls. And he was very enthusiastic that she won the Nobel Prize, but nothing about this other topic that is incomparably bigger and more significant. And I was thinking to myself, that's probably because he's privately excited about these attacks. He sees them through the anti-colonial lens. He thinks that this is a kind of a marvelous blow by Hamas against a colonial uh, oppressor. And, um, uh, but I thought if it's not that, what is it? Is that he doesn't care? He's too busy. He's just indifferent. Or could it be that he having given millions to Iran, he's a little bit worried about, well, is it, is this now going to be traced back to me? Yeah, Biden gave them six billion, but I'd given $400 million in buckets or pallets of cash to the Iranians. So in a way, are they going to say that I helped to fund all this? And then finally, Obama comes out with a strong statement in support of Israel, a real mystery. And I'm going to read the statement because Debbie and I were puzzling over it. We're like, this does not even sound like Obama. He did not write this. In fact, more likely, someone drafted it and gave it to him and said, basically, you need to sign this. You need to put this out. All Americans should be horrified and outraged by the brazen terrorist attacks on Israel and the slaughter of innocent civilians. We grieve for those who died. Pray for the safe return and stand squarely alongside our ally Israel as it dismantles Hamas. Now, that is not Obama. In fact, not only is it not Obama, it's not just alien to Obama, it's the opposite of Obama. This is not what he thinks. And so I think that Obama went along with this because he realized that at this moment, when there is a a passionate sympathy for Israel, and by and large, people who are anti-Israel have to sort of run for moral cover. Think of Rashida Tlaib running away when she's asked, does she support the, the, the killing of innocent babies? She won't say a word. She just uh, is essentially fleeing away from the Fox reporter who's chasing her, asking her this question. And so Obama, in a way, is a little more subtle. And he goes, listen, sometimes even in the anti-colonial movement, you have to make a little bit of a tactical retreat. And so I need to sort of distance myself from the Hamas attacks. I'll have time later. In fact, he did while he was in, um, while he was president, do his best to undermine America's special relationship with Israel. I'm sure he does not wish Israel well. And so I see this as a clever statement by Obama to avoid responsibility for ideas that he still holds and policies that he made. 
Mike Lindell has a passion to help you get the best sleep of your life. He didn't just stop with the MyPillow pillows. He also created the Giza Dream bed sheets. These sheets look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep, which is crucial for your overall health. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but also extremely durable. And Mike's latest deal, sale of the year for a limited time, you get 50% off the Giza Dream Sheets, marking prices down as low as $29.98, depending on the size. Go to MyPillow.com and a promo code Dinesh. There you'll find this offer, but also deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, the robes, the MyPillow pillows, the MyPillow 2.0 mattress topper, MyPillow kitchen towel sets, and so much more. Uh, the number to call, 800-876-0227. Once again, it's 800-876-0227. Or go to MyPillow.com to get the discount. You need to use the promo code D-I-N-E-S-H Dinesh. Debbie and I are here for our Friday roundup. And um, I, I noticed we match. We, we didn't really coordinate... <laughs> Brown or, and brown. Well, I have a, like a chocolatey brown. I have you a have, dark, <laughs> dark chocolate. Light milk chocolate, dark chocolate. <laughs> Probably shouldn't be the other way around, should well, it? No, really? actually, I have dark chocolate more than you do. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You, you mean, you're talking about your DNA. My DNA, yes, sir. Yep. All right. Pretty funny. Well, you haven't, uh, this is the first time on the podcast since the Hamas attacks. Yeah. And... Um, I think it's fair to say, I mean, our trip to Israel was very, uh, had a tremendous impact on both of us. But I think you are quite ready to be an honorary citizen of Israel. I Well, I always have been. You know, Israel has always played a really important role in my heart because of the role that it plays overall in my Christianity, right? But going to Israel, walking the steps that Jesus walked, seeing seeing it for myself, um, I just came back just, you know, not just a believer, but a knower. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but I've always been very much, as you know, um, terrorism has always kind of interested me just in terms of foreign policy and everything from, from my days. college days. And, um, so I've known about terrorist groups for a very, very long time. And I know how lethal and how barbaric and how evil they are the embodiment of the, of Satan on earth. In my opinion, they they come as close as Satan on earth can come. So you don't give so, any credence to because I mean you there have been these sayings over the years: terrorism is the language of the oppressed. No, that when people no. have no other resort, they are forced I, to. I do not believe that at all. I I believe that they're they're after one thing, and that's a caliphate. And for people that don't know what that is, uh, you can just Google it. Uh, that's what. Islamic, Islamic rule over exactly, the whole earth. Exactly. And uh, as, you know, Eric yesterday on the podcast pointed out, uh, they have had their eye on Israel for a very, very long time. And th- what happened over the weekend was was in the planning for a couple of years. Um, and even, you know, when we were in Israel, I remember having, well, right before we landed, remember we went over the airspace and they said, put on your seatbelts. Uh, we're going over, even though we weren't just we weren't descending because we'd put your seatbelt yeah, on anyway. Yeah. But this was like a you put them on extra early precaution. And I thought to myself, well, you know, if if something happens to this airplane, it doesn't matter what we have on or doesn't, right? Uh, but I was a little uneasy about it, and I thought, you know, this is the way that Israelis live every day. They have that uneasiness every day. They they go about their business. They have. You know, their festivals and everything, but in the back of their mind, they have shelters and they have sirens 
And, and it's, it's a life that I just don't even know how they can have. I mean, I think as Americans, we don't have any real, because, because we're not used to being a nation constantly on the verge of war. And so being in a, I mean, the Israelis talk about living in a hostile neighborhood. And it's not just the immediate neighborhood, you know, with Hamas and Hezbollah. It's all the hostile powers in the region that are the kind of... The ring of fire, as, as uh, Eric pointed out. You know, all of those terrorist countries surrounding Israel, the size of New Jersey. It, it just, you know, it, it is... And I believe this to this day. Uh, it is protected. God will protect Israel. But it's going to, as in the Bible, there's going to be a lot of bloodshed. So, um, yeah. you know, and, and again, a lot of people always say, well, you know, we shouldn't care. That's the Middle East. Whatever happens in the Middle East stays in the Middle East. Well, I have to say this. Hezbollah who who is the the arm of the Iranians right the the terrorist arm of the of the Iranians they have their tentacles all over the world not just Israel not just the Middle East uh I've talked about how they have their tentacles in Venezuela they have training camps they have Hezbollah training camps all over Venezuela and I just read that they also have Mexican training camps and not only is Hezbollah in Mexico but as as a as an operating you know um, uh, member there, but they also train drug cartels. Let's so, let's, let's pause for a second because I want to defer this topic to the next segment. I'll just say a word before we close about Hezbollah. So Hezbollah, the the word, the name means party or people of God. Hezbollah, Bullah sort of is relates to Allah. And so party of God. And this is a Shia terrorist organization directly under the control of Iran. Uh, Hamas is a Sunni terrorist group, not quite as directly under the control of Iran, but working in collaboration with Iran. So Iran is actually bankrolling Hezbollah and Hamas. But when we come back, let's talk about the, the the global tentacles of these terrorist groups, because as as you're saying, for people who think, well, this is something over there. No, it's also something over here. During times of economic uncertainty and political upheaval, which is to say right now, it's crucial to have a reliable source of financial guidance and insight. That's where Dr. Kirk Elliott, PhD, and his esteemed wealth management advisory firm come into play. Dr. Elliott has distinguished himself with two PhDs in economics and theology. He's built a reputation in expert financial solutions tailored to your unique needs. His firm specializes in wealth management, offering a comprehensive array of services to protect and grow your assets in an ever-changing world. In an environment filled with economic volatility, shifting political landscapes, finding a trusted partner during these challenges is essential. Dr. Elliott's firm employs cutting-edge strategies and an understanding of markets to guide you toward financial success. Go to KirkElliottPhD.com. That's KirkElliott, two L's, two T's. KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh. Book an appointment. They will walk you through their investment process. That's KirkElliottPhD.com slash Dinesh. Or you can call or text 720-605-3900. Debbie and I were talking about uh, Hamas and Hezbollah, and you were making the point that 
These groups are not confined to the Middle East. They're not confined to Afghanistan. They have much broader reach. And countries that you don't think would be affected, Venezuela, for example, no, they are in close coordination with the Venezuelan government. And then you were going on to say... Also in Mexico. Yeah. Well, as you know, in the Venezuelan government, not only are they training in Venezuela, but some of these people actually have positions in the cabinet in Venezuela. So they definitely want a territory close to America. I mean, think about it. Venezuela is 1300 miles from the coast of the United States. And if, and they also have terror cells all the way into Mexico, right? Mexico is right there. So again, uh, we are not paying attention to any of this. The United States government might know about it, but I don't know that they're doing anything about it. And this is, so, I mean, think of the implications of what you're saying, because you're saying that they are creating their own Gaza in our hemisphere. Exactly. Right. And you're saying, moreover, that while the Biden regime, maybe for other reasons, like let's rebuild the um, the constituency of the Democratic Party in the United States, let's open the door, let's let in all these people, they're going to be grateful to us, they're going to vote for us. But they are also aware, but they seem not to care enough that Hamas could easily say, let's train a thousand soldiers just like we did to go into Israel and send them across the southern border into the United States, we can cause havoc over there too. Well, and and I happen to know that um, that Hezbollah is training the cartels. They, the the tactics that the cartels use. I, I will never forget about ten years ago, a, a, a member, and actually he was a I guess an escapee, an old member of a cartel, uh, was in one of my groups, um, and he sent me a video. I could not sleep at night that that night when I saw that video. It was basically the decapitation of a group of people that the cartels took hostage. And uh, those tactics, I said, you know, I've seen that with with Al Qaeda. I mean, that's what Al Qaeda does. That's what ISIS. ISIS does. Yeah, they 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 you know they behead people, and so these cartels. Uh, not only do they do those tactics, but they also are learning how to do make bombs. Uh, they do the um, what are those called? The IEDs, the uh, the those explosive right, devices. Explosive devi- they they learn how to make those. They use those. They use intimidation tactics. Um, they'll send uh, a relative's head in a suitcase to the family to tell them, "Look what's coming if you don't do what we say." Um, this well, is not, horrible. Not to mention the. Um, the Hamas tunnels that are built under the right, ground exactly. so you can go past a border checkpoint into the other into Israeli territory mm-hmm. and of course the same yes. tunneling strategies exactly. are now employed by the cartels exactly they taught them how to make this the tunnels to go from Mexico to America and uh, in fact um I was reading this article that, that talks about Mexico, you know, Hezbollah and, and Mexico drug cartels operating in Mexico and the U.S. This was, um, this was posted by Banderas News, which is a, a Puerto Vallarta, a newspaper. So it is a, a Spanish newspaper. And a lot of times they have a lot of really good in, information that American newspapers maybe not, not so much. But, um, but they, um, they say, they go on to say that they are teaching the cartels guerrilla terror tactics that they use in the Middle East. 
And then um, they interviewed the drug czar, John Walters, from America, U.S. drug czar, and that Mexico's drug cartels are crossing the border to kidnap and kill inside the United States. These groups not only engage in crime and violence, not only in Mexico and along the border, but they cr- co- they come across, kidnap, murder, carry out assassinations right here. These groups do not respect borders. So again, we are horrified by Hamas and what they did in Israel, that surprise attack where they came through and, and killed so many, butchered so many children, elderly, innocent people. Uh, but this could happen to us as well. Well, I mean, chances are that it will. And the reason I say it is this, the Israelis, despite the fact that they are extremely careful I mean, it's not easy to cross an Israeli checkpoint. You and I know this ourselves. You get to Israel, you are, they don't hesitate to racially profile you. They have a whole dossier on you. They know exactly who you are. And if Hamas could penetrate that dense cordon, that thick obstacle, think about uh, the United States and the sort of brazen, just indifference to who cares, right. you know, just come on over. Right. Uh, you know, you, you see U.S. Defense Department people cutting the barbed wire so some guy can jump over. And then, oh, guess what? We don't know who you are, but you want asylum? Did you say the word asylum? Okay, here's a piece of paper. Show up in two years at your court date and, and, and where you go, what you do. We have well, no idea. And, and then it just came out. Thousands of special interest aliens from the Middle East were stopped at the border. Th- these are people from Afghanistan from Syria, uh, from all over, um, all over the Middle East, coming through our border. So coupled with the cartels, the Mexican cartels that are wreaking havoc with fentanyl and other drugs, and, and, and them who want to just basically decimate America, I mean, we have enemies at the border right here. And if we don't take care of our own, we won't be able to help Israel. Last month, the G20 group announced it welcomed discussion of the effects of implementing central bank digital currencies in their countries. Now, these digital currencies could allow the government to track every purchase you make. They could even allow officials to prohibit you from purchasing certain products or freeze or seize part or all of your money. In essence, the government gets control over your finances. Now, concerned Americans like me are diversifying our assets into physical gold with the help of Birch Gold Group. If you want a physical asset held in a tax-sheltered retirement account, you should call Birch Gold. Debbie and I are customers. We buy our gold through Birch Gold. But find out for yourself. Text Dinesh to 989898. You'll get a free information kit on gold. And here's the easiest way to become a Birch Gold customer. If you've got an IRA or a 401k from a previous employer, Birch Gold can help you convert it into an IRA in gold and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. Text Dinesh to 989898. Claim your free information kit on gold and call them because if digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to fall back on. Debbie and I are talking about the Hamas attacks on Israel, but also about the wider exportation, the wider significance of this. Uh, we just talked about the border. But let's come back a little bit to to Israel because... There is going to be a lot of fighting. Um, there's going to be a, I mean, the attempt to root out Hamas from Gaza, where Hamas has been well consolidated now for almost two decades. It cannot be easy. And that's not even considering 
For example, you know, they say, well, you know, you don't want to kill civilians and so on. And, and, and I'm sympathetic to all that. But think of all the indoctrination in the madrasas and the Hamas schools, the fact that young people are encouraged to adopt a jihadi ideology from a young age. I mean, when you first heard about this, you had a very bad feeling about it. Well, you know, Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, um, I, I always wake up to news, right? And and I, I get notifications. <laughs> I usually wake up and you're you already hearing it to your exactly. phone. So all of a sudden, I look at my phone and it says, Benjamin Netanyahu has just declared war. And and it startled me because I, it wasn't something that I was prepared to, to read. And I looked and I looked and I looked and I said, I, I woke you up and I said, honey, this is not good. This is not good. Israel is under attack. And, and I just remember having that sinking feeling because as you know, we are planning to go to Israel next year, uh, planning to film a, a documentary there, take a group of people. And, and so, so, ju- you know, and, and as we talked about in the other segment, I, I feel so connected to Israel. We, we give money to the, to the, uh, City of, uh, David, City of David Foundation, Foundation uh, with our dear friend Zeb Orenstein, and 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 so we are super connected, and it just like it, it hit hard. I mean, really, really hard. And then just just going through and seeing the images that that Hamas put on social media about you know the in fact there's that one young woman who who was in the back of the truck and her this legs was, uh, turned out to be the german woman her leg, who was at the she festival. was she was actually israeli but she was part part german but she wasn't from germany she was from israel um her legs were broken it looked like she was naked or partly naked and and it, it looked like she was dead. Now, her family is claiming that somebody told them that she was in a hospital in in uh, Gaza, but uh, it she did not look alive to me. Uh, but, you know, praying that that's wrong, that, that she is alive and that she will be okay. But anyway, that was one image. And, and then another was uh, Benjamin Netanyahu talking about how they they took a group of people and they put them all, they, they handcuffed them, put them all together, grabbed tires and set the tires on fire and burned those people alive. And, and I, I, you know, that and then the image of the 40 babies that were decapitated. I mean, just things that are just horrific. And then people have the nerve to say, well, Israel shouldn't be firing back because Israel is also killing civilians and also killing babies and and whatnot. And honey, is there a moral equivalent to this? I mean, I I just, well, the, the, the monstrosity of what they did when, when in fact, Israel's defense makes very, tries very, very hard not to get civilian casualties. I mean, they go for the targets. They go for the Hamas, you know, targets, not civilians. They go for civilians. In fact, a thousand civilians in Israel have died and about close to 300 soldiers have died. So the vast majority are civilians. So they were going after the civilians trying to do these horrific things. And we know that Hamas recognizes the moral difference. Why? Because if they didn't recognize the moral difference, they wouldn't use civilians as human shields. Because think of it, using a civilian as a human shield doesn't work if the other side doesn't care. 
If, if, if Israel didn't care whether you're a civilian or a soldier, you're like, you want to grab a kid? We'll shoot you and the kid. But the Hamas guys know that the IDF won't do that, that the IDF will be given pause. Like, wait a minute, he's got a kid. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute. You got to, mm-hmm. you know, so, so as a result, Hamas and their, this, their action is a sort of hidden tribute to the moral superiority of the Israelis. Now, the distinction here that's critical is, aiming at civilian targets, which is the essence of terrorism. I mean, if you only attack military targets, then it's not it's terrorism. War. It's, it's war, but it's war. not terrorism. Yeah. And in fact, even going back to 9-11, there was a debate about this, and I got in the middle of this. Some of the targets that were attacked on 9-11 were military targets. They were not civilian targets. But on the other hand, civilians were used. Obviously, civilians and the airplanes became part of the weaponry, and there was an attempt to attack civilian targets, but also the Pentagon. The Pentagon was was a target. Now that's not a civilian target. That's a military target. Mm-hmm. But but here, but using civilians. But using civilians. Now it's it's one thing to bomb a military target in which civilians, including children, happen to, happen to be killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's collateral damage. Right. You're not intentionally killing the civilians, as opposed to what Hamas is doing. And I think that is the critical. Oh, I mean, it, it just I can, I don't even see how anybody can even see an, an equivalent. I, can, I It doesn't even like register in my head because it what they did on purpose is so horrific. And taking a certain relish in it, it and seemed at times a- where they were like, I, I saw a description uh, of a woman saying that she had been hiding and she was saying, you know, I could hear the laughter. The yes. Laughter. They took pleasure. Pleasure. In doing it. They are satanic. Debbie and I are on a really good health journey right now, but we still struggle to eat enough fruits, veggies, and fiber, and that's a requirement. Lucky for us, we discovered Balance of Nature, and what better way to get all your fruits and veggies plus fiber than with Balance of Nature? This is Balance of Nature's fruits and veggies in a capsule, easy to take, made from fresh whole produce. The produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. And this is Balance of Nature's Fiber and Spice, a proprietary blend of fiber and 12 spices for overall and digestive health. Join Debbie and me. Start your journey to better health right now. Call 800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com. You get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. Again, it's balanceofnature.com or call 800-246-8751. Get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code AMERICA. In the wake of the tragedy in Israel, the Hamas attacks, there's so much focus on the carnage, on the just mind-numbing horror of the situation. And yet there are also stories of heroism and of courage. And you brought one to my attention. It's a 25-year-old Israeli woman. Her name is Inbal, Inbal Lieberman. What did she do? Yeah, yeah. So apparently she, um, she's being praised for her actions defending the southern community of Israel from the Hamas terrorists. Um, so she reportedly heard what was happening and she like galvanized a group of other IDFs, right? And, uh, and they were able to, to then approach the terrorists preemptively. Oh, so, yeah. um, she was a member of yeah. a security team, so she must have had some military yeah. training. What she did was she went and got 
guns and、mm -hmm. distributed them to a 12-member security team, and they were able to set up、uh, ambush posts throughout the kibbutz. So the kibbutz, of course, is the small residential Israeli community. And so these guys heard what was happening. They knew what was coming. They're like, "Let's get prepared." And so it says Lieberman killed five terrorists over five hours. Twenty-five terrorists were reportedly killed in all, and not a single one of the kibbutz residents were were injured. So this is the Near Am Kibbutz. It's about five hundred yards from the Gaza border. So it's right there. Right there. It's right on the edge of Gaza. Right. And they're now talking about the fact she needs to be she needs to get the Israel Prize, but、um, and Israel is now apparently doing some enhanced security protections around the Gaza Strip.、Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, what a place to live! Talk about I mean you you know now of course you have family that lives near the border, but we're talking we're not talking about a border that is armed to the teeth the way this one is. There are、mm -hmm. problems, of course, on the U.S.、Mm -hmm. border, but not like yeah, this. Yeah, not like this. And and you know we talked about how in the world could this have happened? Like how did they how did they not have Security forces there. How were they able to to allow a thousand terrorists to just break through the barrier?、Um, it's it's just. I mean, the, the echo of nine eleven to me was when I saw. I don't know if you saw these images. Hamas guys in gliders coming yes, from the air, and they did that this time. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that has the audacity. Of nine eleven, right? Well, I mean, yeah, because hijacking of planes. Well, number one, they know that they could be killed, so they're really what is it? What are they called? Kamikazes or whatever? They they know that they're going to probably be killed, but they're going to wreak havoc before that happens. I mean, that was their intention.、Uh, but this young young girl, young lady,、uh, was so brave. I mean, you know, I would call her a badass. I mean, to kill five terrorists, twenty five years old. Pretty,、um, pretty you incredible. Know, and she、right? looks, you know, there's photos of her with a little flower in her hair. She just looks like so, like girly. She looks like somebody would be, you'd feel like, like, like an Austin in Starbucks, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but、oh, um, yeah. no, that's、yeah. true. I mean, remember when we were in Israel,、uh, when you're crossing from the northern part of Israel to the south, you go、uh, basically right alongside Judea and Samaria, which are now. Uh, uh, parts of the、um, uh, which is where a lot of the Palestinians、um, uh, live,、yeah. and then、uh, and so we were. I remember we were always being warned that look, we can't really go to those neighborhoods over there. So the Israelis are watchful. They know that there are hostile communities, and I guess this is why they have all these barricades. Because I keep hearing, you know, these people live in an open air prison, right? Well, they live in an open air prison because they pose a grave danger to the people around them. So the people around them are forced to say, "Okay, you、mm -hmm. can live there, but we're going to make a big fence, and then we're not、mm -hmm. going to make it easy well, for you to come over、I、to mean, our side." The equivalent would be like living next to a big prison, right? Where the prison, the pri the prisoners escape. And kill all the people that live in those communities. I mean, this is basically what what it looked like.、Um, and so, I don't know,、uh, you know, whether it was just a breach in in communication.、Um, you know, Eric talked about the fact that they've been planning this for two years. How did they not know? How how did they? You know, just allow it to to even take place. It's just really baffling to me because. You know, and now a, a lot of the citizens in Israel are now serving in the armed forces. I mean, this is like all of the able-bodied people are now in the armed forces. So, can you imagine having to, you know, just do that 
like your whole life. Well, I mean, the society I mean, has to become becomes militarized, you know. Yes. And and we probably had something like this in America, but you'd have to go back to World War Two, when essentially every family either has or knows a family that is that has somebody who's you know on the front yeah. or or is over in Europe fighting. And uh, the other thing I I was reading today was about the fact that the Hamas guys. They will take water pipes. They will take. So you know they're they're complaining now. And, and people like AOC and Ilhan Omar that oh you know the Israelis are going to cut the gas. They're going to cut the electricity. They're going to cut the water supply. Well, the reason that they would do that is because the population is supporting Hamas. Exactly. Right. And Hamas is using those very same electric pipes and so on. To make rockets, and, to make bombs, and wreak havoc. Right. So if mm-hmm. Hamas is drawing its strength from the support of the population, you're not targeting the population when you say we're going to cut off the source of supplies yeah. Yeah. for Hamas to be weaponized. So if you just based on all of this, how close are we to World War Three? Let's pick that up in the next segment. If aches and pains are your problem, Relief Factor is your remedy. Debbie and I started taking Relief Factor a couple of years ago. We've noticed a huge difference in our joints. Nothing short of amazing. Aches and pains are totally gone thanks to this 100% drug-free solution called Relief Factor. How does it work? Relief Factor supports your body's fight against inflammation. That's the source of aches and pains. More than 1 million people have tried Relief Factor and the vast majority, 70%, have gone on to order more. Debbie's a true believer. She can now do exercises that for a long time she wasn't able to do. So Relief Factor has been a big game changer for her, her aunt, other members of our family, Mike here in the studio, and for many other people. You too can benefit. Try it for yourself. Order the three-week quick start for the discounted price of just $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com or call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. The number again to call, 800-4-RELIEF or go to relieffactor.com. Feel the difference. We uh, left off in the last segment talking about, well, you raised the question about about World War III. Um, I will have to say that thinking back to World War I, for example, uh, there was the assassination of the Archduke of Sarajevo. No one thought that that would cause a world war, but it moved pretty rapidly through a series of events. And part of it was that the horrors of war of the 20th century had not sunk in yet because the 20th century was just beginning. Uh, nobody even knew what a world war would look like. And yet suddenly, I mean, perhaps the most horrific war of the 20th century, just because it was trench warfare, it was, you know, it was you, you fight for days to get 10 yards and thousands of people are killed for a worthless piece of earth. You know, all this, all this stuff. And I think you were making the point that a world war, if it comes now, would be the worst of all. It would be because we have the most advanced weaponry since, you know, and I don't think we've ever, obviously have never used nuclear weapons. How would the world look like using nuclear weapons? I mean, think of it. You world know? War One, you had poison gas, but you didn't have nuclear weapons. World War Two. You didn't have nuclear atomic. weapons either. The atomic bomb was yeah. built at the end of the war mm-hmm. and dropped twice. Mm-hmm. But that was it. That ended the war. And we haven't seen the use of atomic weapons ever since. ever since. So this is very, very dangerous territory. And I think the people who have been making the point, by the way, not just in connection with Israel, but also Ukraine, that 
the reckless approach of the Biden administration of, you know, let's provoke Russia, let's provoke China, um, you know, we will leave no stone unturned until Ukraine has total victory. What does total victory mean? Is Ukraine going to defeat the, Soviet, the, 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 the Russians and take a hold of the Russian arsenal? This is not going to happen. And in fact, it is a little reckless to provoke a nuclear-tipped power like that. Now, Israel is a nuclear-tipped power. It is, but, as is uh, Iran. As is Iran. Iran and is, if they don't have nuclear I'm, weapons, uh, but you're saying they're so close. I'm pretty sure they do, and I'm pretty sure that they're getting really close to not just having them in their turf, but in Venezuela. Oh, I see. Uh, Venezuela has enriched uranium, and there have been many, many talks about them doing one there. So can you imagine? Yeah. Um, uh, we have to, we need a lot of wisdom and, and um, in, in, in dealing with these situations. Let's talk a little bit about before we close out our, uh, our film. You know, when we, we work on a film, at some point the film kind of goes out of our hands because it goes to Technicolor for the final coloring. Uh, the guy who does our music, Brian Miller, who's awesome. And you've been actually collaborating with him to drop in the final music, which was missing from the movie, mm -hmm. but we just got a glimpse of it and it mm -hmm. kind of gave us yeah. both a little the, bit. The really funny thing is some people have asked me if I'm the one singing at the, at the beginning of the, of the movie. And I'm like, no, actually, that's not me. But Brian said, oh, that would have been such a great idea to have you come to the studio and do that. But there were, the, this movie was just, the, so, so many moving parts. We were so busy. We couldn't do that. I mean, but. it's a very cinematic film and more cinematic, I think, by mm -hmm. far than 2000 Mules. Mm -hmm. The topic is no less important. I mean, election uh, integrity is a critical topic, but so is the police state. Yeah. Uh, but uh, ironically, it, the, the election fraud and all of that comes in order to facilitate a police state. Well, police states so, don't have free elections. Exactly. That's for one. Exactly. And, and also, um, you know, cheating your way to power gives you the opportunity now to be right. unaccountable. You've got a system to exactly. get yourself elected. Because you don't they're democratically elected at first until they're not. <laughs> and, uh, well, and, and, and not only that, but the audacity of then using the idea that we are saving democracy. Yeah, we have to lock up Donald Trump to save democracy, mm -hmm. Dinesh. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Orwellian rhetoric, when you have two major parties, one party is going after the leader of the other party to save democracy. And, and you know what makes it even crazier? We were talking about these people, these cartels, uh, you know, Hezbollah, Hamas coming into America. And you would think that the FBI... Right. And the CIA would have their eyes set on those people. But, but no. instead, they have their eyes set on mom going to the school board, uh, dad going to a, a Planned Parenthood, you know, uh, rally. I mean, whatever. It, it's, it's, it makes absolutely zero the sense. National Debbie making a movie called Police State. Oh. We need to look into that one. Yeah. <laughs> These guys, I mean, they are so uh. twisted in their priorities that they are simultaneously endangering the security of the country. I mean, think about it. The, our intelligence agencies, which were given all this power of surveillance, global surveillance, after 9-11, did not detect the Hamas attack. So there's a there's an Israeli security failure, but, but there's a American. U.S. Yeah. Jake Sullivan, national security advisor, was uh, in a panel discussion just a few days before. He goes, the Middle East has never oh. been as quiet as it's been for decades. I mean, this idiot 
had no idea what was coming. And yet he speaks with that kind of serene, you know, Harvard confidence that so the the, the arrogance, the narrow mindedness. Well, and, you know, the other thing is, is, you know, how how Israel, they were kind of fighting amongst themselves, you know, the left and the right and this and that. So they were kind of not paying attention Either. to the. To the evil that was surrounding them. And I feel like if we're doing that here as well, some evil could be lurking and we don't even know it. So, guys, get your tickets to Police State, policestatefilm.net. We will see you in the theater or we'll see you at the virtual premiere on Friday, October 27th. Policestatefilm.net. We're now reaching the end of the second chapter of the Gulag Archipelago titled A History of Our Sewage Disposal System. And Solzhenitsyn does a little bit of a roundup here. He says, first of all, he says, this chapter does not attempt by any means to list all the waves which fertilized the Gulag, but only those which had a political coloration. So notice he's been talking about various ethnic nationalities, political dissidents, people who said something critical of the regime, uh, intellectuals, even some of them from the Communist Party. But he says that uh, there were also waves of non-political offenders. In other words, they're getting you, but for some other reason. It could be that they consider you a habitual criminal. It could be for some other reason. And uh, so... Right in the middle of this, and this is now after the war, Stalin issues a new decree. And he says, according to this new decree, uh, the old prison sentence, which was called the tenor, I mean, the tenor colloquially meaning 10 years, you get a tenor, 10-year sentence, is suddenly seen now to be not enough. You need to get more, more than 10 years. And there's a new crackdown after the war on people who are supposedly, I mean, think of this absurdity of this, accused of robbing their own grain. So I've mentioned this before, but the idea here is that you are part of a so-called collective farm. You work and you produce grain, but if you're starving and in the middle of the night, if you go and eat some of that grain, instead of turning it all over to the Soviet collective to then be dispersed how they see fit, if you do that, you you are stealing grain. It reminds me a little bit of the days of slavery where uh, Frederick Douglass, the runaway slave, but this was when he was a slave, was accused of uh, robbing from his master and uh, robbing from his master by eating his master's pork. And Frederick Douglass goes, well, I can't rob from my master because I'm not considered a human being. I'm myself a thing. So you, just like you cannot accuse uh, one uh, possession of the master of so somehow uh, absorbing another possession of the master. For example, the pig is now eating the master's grain. Well, that's not robbery because the pig also belongs to the master. So this is Frederick Douglass talking about this. But here in the Soviet Union, Stalin is punishing people for, quote, stealing their own grain. Uh, there's also another recrimination after the war against dissidents. At this point, writes Solzhenitsyn, the autocrat decided it wasn't enough to arrest just those who had survived since 1937. What about the children of his sworn enemies? They too must be imprisoned. They were growing up and they may have notions of vengeance. Um, now, the new uh, prison sentences under Stalin go up from 10 years to now 25 years. And writes Solzhenitsyn, by now the tenor was for juveniles. 
So if you're underage and they imprison you, well, they're going to show some mercy. I put the word in quote marks and give you 10 years. But if you are an adult, it's now normally going to be 25 years. And you notice that when you have these fully formed police states, they become very regimented. They don't want to make fine discriminations. Oh, you get 13 years, you get 17. No, they keep it really simple. You're, you're under the age of 18, okay, 10 years. Uh, you're over the age of 18, 25 years. Uh, part of the shock value of Solzhenitsyn's writings, and you see this not just in the Gulag, but also in his earlier work, One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich, is that the casualness with which they, these officials hand out lengthy prison sentences for sometimes very trivial offenses. And think about it. You've you know, you're accused of, um, you know, uh, stealing some bacon from the kitchen or even picking up bacon that's fallen to the ground and eating it. Five years. Five years for that, for that one action that probably took you three seconds uh, to do. Stalin's new line suggesting that it was necessary in the wake of the victory over fascism to jail more people more energetically and for longer terms than ever before. I mean, think of the inverted logic of that. Uh, normally, you'd say, well, we've won the war. The Soviet Union now comes out ahead. We need to rebuild our society. We need all hands on deck. Uh, it's not of any value to us to just lock people up in prison for long terms. But no, Stalin takes the opposite message. Now that we've won, uh, we don't, we're not accountable to anybody. In fact, we can now import back some of the Russians who are living in other societies and we'll get a good bit of jail material from those guys. Also, let's sort of ramp up the prison arrests. And so things far from getting better actually get worse. And then Solzhenitsyn, who again has this kind of very nice literary style, he doesn't believe in just ending a chapter by just stopping. He ends the chapter usually with some pungent and ironic observation that you're going to remember and so he goes on to say, the preceding exposition would have made clear that in the removal of millions and the populating of the gulag, consistent cold-blooded planning and never weakening persistence were at work. We never had, he says, empty prisons or merely prisons which were full or prisons which were, he said, we merely had prisons which were full or prisons which were very, very overcrowded. And this, he says, proves that the organs, he means the organs of the Soviet state, always earned their pay. Subscribe to the Dinesh D'Souza podcast on Apple, Google, and Spotify, or watch on Rumble, YouTube, and SalemNow.com.